Greetings and welcome to another different church podcast. My name is Jared and I hope you're having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 11.30 p.m. Sunday night. Uh, Technically, it's 12.30 p.m. in St. Pete in Tampa, but I am in Tennessee uh, traveling. That's why the audio on this sounds a little bit different than normal. Uh, But I didn't want to wait to put this podcast in your hands because it was such a special uh, service. We ordained James Battaglia, and there were tears everywhere. Um, Such a cool story, and super proud of James, uh, and super proud of Different, that we, uh, I mean, it's a no-brainer. I'm not proud of us for, like, taking a crazy step, but, you know, other churches wouldn't do something like this, and the fact that we do, I think, is pretty awesome. Um, So thank you, everybody who participated and was a part of it. Um, If you didn't get to see it in person, uh, I guess that's probably why you're listening to the podcast right now. And there's a a short message uh, up front, uh, but please um, listen all the way through because the ordination was like a really beautiful moment. Um, Only other thing I want to mention before we jump in is uh, small groups are starting, not this week, but next week. We've got Tampa, we've got two St. Pete, we've got one online. We would love to have you. Go to diff.church and you can sign up from there. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into it. Good morning. Yay. Let's talk about the Bible. (laughs) This is a church after all. So our passage of scripture today comes from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. If you've been around church, I'm sure you've heard this passage before. Um, And I'm sure you've seen it like quoted on like Instagram or Pinterest or whatever the cool kids are using these days, not Instagram or Pinterest. Just like in pretty font with like waves in the background, because this is what it says. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I anointed you as a prophet to the nations. We typically use that verse as like, God has a plan for your life. And if it sucks, it'll be fine. This is not what this means. <laughs> um, keeps going. It says, this is Jeremiah talking. Alas, sovereign Lord. I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. My translation, no. <laughs> Why are you talking to me? <laughs> but the Lord said to me, don't say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send to you, send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. This passage is called the call of Jeremiah. Um, It seems like Jeremiah was a young man at this time that this event happened. He received this vision. He received this message from God. And Jeremiah is just one of the many prophets we find in the Old Testament, such as Isaiah and Ezekiel and Hosea and Joel and Amos and Obadiah and Jonah and Micah. And I definitely didn't have to memorize these all as a child, and I'm definitely still not scarred about it. (laughs) There was a whole song. Um, Meaning, they they all have this similar story of a call, meaning there's this special moment when the word of God, Yahweh, comes to them specifically with some kind of instruction. What I find very interesting about all of these stories is the prophets initially are either like, no, thank you. God's like, hey, you're special. I have something for you to do. And they're like, oh, no, 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 thank you. I'm going to nope right out of that. Or they come up with a magnificent excuse <laughs> why they cannot do it. Is this how you get your dream job these days? Like, here is this job that you've, you're, you're destined for. I'm like, no. No, thank you. And then they just keep pestering you until you say yes? Is that? So 
the reluctance of these prophets ironically seems to prove that God picked the right person because people who are like, yay, I want to be a prophet are usually proven to be false prophets (laughs) in the Old Testament. Um, Here's a few things that a call to God's service is not. It is not a carefully considered career choice. And if it is, you're doing it wrong. It is not a chance to make lots of money. And if it is, you're doing it wrong. It is not so you can be famous or remembered or leave some kind of legacy where people are like, this person is so amazing. And if it is, you're doing it wrong, okay? False prophets speak nice words. They speak peaceful words. When in fact, certainly the case for Jeremiah, there is no nice or peaceful words to say. Uh, There's nothing wrong with nice words. Okay, I like them. We all like them. That would be like being like, everything's fine. Just keep smiling when there's a hurricane coming. Okay, we all know that that is unreasonable, right? But (sighs) true prophets speak words that challenge and sometimes displease people. They warn of the impending hurricane. They tell people to evacuate. And some people don't want to hear it. Now, I've been in Florida since I was eight. And let me tell you, some people don't want to hear it when there's a hurricane coming. Uh, I grew up in a trailer, which is fine. However, where's the one place you don't want to be when a hurricane's coming? A trailer. It will literally blow away. (laughs) So every time there was a hurricane coming, my parents would be like, and we're going to grandma's house because she has a room with no windows where we can hide when there's tornadoes. And the, literally our next door neighbors were like, eh, it'll be fine. And it was until it wasn't. Now, there is beauty in being a prophet, but there is also danger, right? Like if some people don't want to hear it, they're going to say you're spreading lies or misinformation or they're like slander you. They might even physically attack you. Not usually in today's society, but like in Jeremiah's time, if they didn't like what you were saying, they'd be like, no, <laughs> no, thank you. I'm not signing up for that. Jeremiah is called and he immediately is like, oh no, what's a reason I can pick? I'm too young. No one's going to listen to me. I am but a child. Uh, This is the one of countless objections that prophets give in the Old Testament. Moses is like, I am not eloquent enough. No one will listen to me. Isaiah, this is my favorite. He's like, I'm not a good person. (laughs) I would love if more people who wanted to be pastor would be like, I can't do it, I'm not a good person. (laughs) Ezekiel is like, I don't know what words are. No, I don't know what to say. The list goes on. If you go through the Old Testament, like literally every prophet is like, oh no, I can't do that because they just put on the spot and they come up with the worst reason, except for I'm not a good person. That's a really good reason. Prophets have a major case of imposter syndrome (laughs) Um, because God often calls really unlikely people, or it seems to us, in unlikely circumstances if we measure it against human standards. In reality, I think God calls the most likely people. God calls the people who will keep going even when it's hard. God calls the people who will keep speaking even when people try to silence them. God calls the people who will keep the faith even when everything seems lost. Because the words that God is giving Jeremiah to speak are pretty disruptive. They're not very nice. Like, Jeremiah is calling some people out. Why? Because they are the words of a covenant-keeping God. And this is important 
Because Jeremiah is being sent to a whole nation of people and a whole organization of spiritual leaders to tell them that God is not their vending machine for their self-interested, get-rich-quick schemes. That definitely has no relation to today's society. Jeremiah is being sent to tell them to shape up, that right worship matters, that right attitude matters, that right treatment of poor people and strangers and widows and marginalized people actually matter. And these things are being neglected by the church in Jeremiah's day, and God is not okay with it. Yay for Jeremiah. (laughs) He's like, okay. God calls a messenger to remind people of what is truly important. And what is truly important? Love God, love people. I think that God calls people to do this is living proof that we have a God who is deeply and intimately involved in the fate of human beings. Like God's passion for goodness and wholeness is given to every single person freely. But some people have the specific duty to be just as passionate about it as God is so that God's dreams for us can be brought to life in the world. God's plan for Jeremiah came before he was even born. But it did require a response from Jeremiah. And I find that really refreshing, actually, because God is like, hey, I have this thing for you to do. It's going to be amazing. And Jeremiah still has to agree to participate. Without Jeremiah's consent, it never would have gotten any further. And Jeremiah is a little nervous about what he's being asked to do, I think very understandably. And he's like, I don't know what to say. And God's like, don't worry about it. I'll give you the words to say, which is another thing I find really refreshing because we can get trapped in these cycles where we're like, I have to write the most inspiring speech. I have to make the most creative thing. I have to write the best music and I have to sing the best and I have to be the best. And No, you don't. You have access to an infinite pool of God's creativity. It is not all dependent on you. The well is so deep. And God touches Jeremiah's mouth and fills it with the words of the Lord and says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. So why are we talking about this today? (laughs) Who cares about the call of Jeremiah the prophet some thousands of years ago? Well, because today we get to do something really special, which is to ordain a person who is not only dear to me, but I know dear to many of you, and that person is James. But before we do it, hold your applause. (laughs) You can save it for the end. (laughs) I want to take a moment to explain what ordination is and why it is an important and meaningful thing to do. And I'm going to use some church words, okay? So y'all just bear with me. If you're you're recovering from your experiences in church, no matter what kind of church you came from, this may feel like, oh no, we're being really churchy right now. Yes. I don't know if you know this, but this is in fact a church. (laughs) And every once in a while, we're gonna get real churchy. But I promise we do everything a little bit differently around here. And I think that this can be really special and meaningful. And I don't know how you were raised or how you grew up, but like I have seen people get ordained and you're just like, hmm, seems questionable. (laughs) Right? Um, Or maybe it wasn't, but then it became questionable. (laughs) And I think we can do something really special and we we have the opportunity to actually change the narrative. So Like, what even is it? So depending on what faith tradition you're from, it's celebrated in various ways. Like, some churches have an entire service for it, and it's like this culmination of years of preparation and schooling and interviews and red tape and all this nonsense where people decide if you're good enough. And then you have other traditions that are like, 
you want to be ordained? Here you go. <laughs> Put it in your pocket. Don't tell anyone about it. On the surface level, like in the world, being ordained means you can marry people, you can bury people. Um, that one's really fun. Or you can do like any of the rites or rituals that are like designated for church leaders to do. It like gives you the ability to do that. But on the spiritual level, ordination means God has given a specific person a particular task of service and care for people. Like Jeremiah, God is sending someone out of their comfort zone into a life that will give them new experiences and make them do all the things that a regular person of faith does, like question and doubt and rage and rejoice and grow, but with the added layer of doing this publicly where other people get to watch you <laughs> and make judgments about how you're doing it. It means that sometimes the message God gives you to speak is not going to be well received. It means that God has called you to a harder road than most people because just to be a person of faith doesn't have the added weight of like properly interpreting scripture for other people. It doesn't have the weight of owning up to mistakes you've made in a public sphere where everyone can decide if you were sorry enough. It doesn't have the weight of like working through trauma with an audience watching. So fun. I kind of liken it to like being a parent because like you should not have kids because you like kids. That's not a good reason to have kids. You should not have kids because you want to leave a legacy and you want your name to be remembered. <laughs> you should not have kids even because you think you'll be good at it. You should have kids because it's your path to have kids and because you want to grow. <laughs> Growth is pretty uncomfortable, usually, right? This is the same. You should not be ordained because you like God or the church, although most people don't like the church, but you should not be ordained because you like the Bible. You should not be ordained because you want to leave a legacy or even because you want to do it differently than your church leaders did. You shouldn't even be ordained because you'll be good at it. You should be ordained because there is no other path for you and because you want to grow. <laughs> like you should be ordained, just like the prophets in the Old Testament, because this call of God is a fire shut up in your bones. And you cannot, no matter what you try to do, you cannot outrun it, you cannot avoid it, you cannot ignore it. You should be ordained because you have, in fact, searched for another option, and there isn't one. And you were like, no, thank you. And God was like, don't be afraid. People need you to walk this path. One of my professors said to me in seminary, after I was complaining for like five straight minutes, I'm very good at complaining. Um, it's one of my spiritual gifts. <sighs> and I was just complaining because it was really hard semester, and I was like, this is hard and I'm tired of it and is it even worth it? And I'm never even gonna make enough money to pay off my student loans before I die and people are the worst and why would I even want to be in church for my whole life? And he just like listened to me ramble. And at the end he was like, hmm. The Lord has called you to this pain and walked away. <laughs> and I was like, that's not nice. <laughs> what? This is so comforting. The Lord has called you to this pain. Okay, let me tell you how I know that James should be ordained. James has already served for 18 years on staff at a church in Boston. James has already been a pastor. The church that James was previously at did not offer ordination to anyone without a seminary degree, so it was never on the table, which I, side note, find hilarious because like, 
They're like, no, you don't have a seminary degree, no ordination. In my Pentecostal tradition, they're like, you got a seminary degree, no ordination. <laughs> You're going to be asking those weird, weird questions about the Bible. We don't want you to question people's faith. <laughs> but like, it wasn't on the table. And yet, James continued to serve. They kept walking this path because this is the path that God set before them. I have found that James lives a life devoted to God. That they not only take seriously God's command to love people, but that they practice that with everyone they meet. James is... I'm having emotions. I haven't even started the thing yet. It's going to be a miracle if I can get through this. James is such a welcoming and safe person. James is a trustworthy person and a person of deep integrity and faith. Us ordaining James is simply us agreeing with God that we can see and acknowledge and celebrate the work that James has put in through all these years. And I think if you could be doing anything else, you would be. <laughs> One of the things that I love about different church is how many different faith traditions are represented here. Like we have Jesus followers of every flavor. Would Jarrett says something like the Ben and Jerry's ice cream? <laughs> like there's just something for everyone. And every Christian church tradition has like their own ordination liturgy and process. And I looked at so many of them in preparation for today, and none of them really felt completely us. Like a lot of them are full of questions as to whether you agree with specific doctrines or statements of faith. Instead of, to me, the more important question about how you're going to live and act. They're like, do you believe these 16 fundamental truths? Yes. Ordained. Too bad you're a terrible person. <laughs> so I wrote my own. <laughs> um, it's going to be a mashup, just like different church, uh, of liturgy and scripture and prayer, and it's a little bit high church and a little bit Pentecostal, because you know me. And I think that we can all find something meaningful here. Um, and I'll just ask for your good vibes so that I can get through this without crying my eyes out. <laughs> it's like intense. Would you like to come up here? You have to. <laughs> it's okay, I'm already crying too. I should have brought a table, but you know I'm not prepared. I'm gonna give you this, because you have to answer a few questions. Okay, so first, I'm just gonna ask you a few questions, and if you agree, you say yes or I will or any variation of that. <laughs> I should have brought tissues. Again, not prepared. <laughs> Do you believe that God has called you into a life of ministry to other people? Yes. To accept this call of God is to affirm the sacred worth of all people and practice daily Christ's example of unconditional love without exclusion. Will you treat others with respect and kindness? sharing the miraculous love and grace of God by your actions to every person you meet, regardless of their race or ethnicity or economic situation or sexual orientation or gender identity or expression or background or religious belief or political belief. <laughs> that one was just for the progressives. <laughs> or age or ableness. Yes. Will you seek the Holy Spirit and through her guidance, stir up the gift that is inside of you 
not neglecting it or letting it stagnate, but continually stoking the fire that God has placed in your soul? Will you work for peace and reconciliation in our fractured world of faith? And when Christians react in fear and anger, respond instead with grace and mercy? I will. Will you be gentle and merciful to those in need, even if the ones in need are angry, bitter, desperate, heartbroken, or ungrateful? Yes. And will you pastor and teach, not for the glory or the recognition, but for the pure joy of walking with people in their path of life, sharing the truth of God's love, sitting with those who are suffering, celebrating with those who are rejoicing, praying for all, and above all else, providing an example to follow of what it means to have faith in Jesus. I will. James, we give you the task of reading and interpreting the sacred stories of our Bible and our community so that they speak to people today. We give you the work of remembering and passing on the rituals and rites of our sacred faith, and of changing them as needed, so that all are included. In the name of our Lord, we share a great trust with you, the ministry of Jesus himself, for whom our sake took on the form of a servant. Remember always that people among you whom you will minister are made in God's image and likeness, and in serving them, you are serving Christ himself. You cannot carry the weight of this calling in your own strength but only by the grace and power of God. This ministry will make great demands on you, and has already, <laughs> but you will not be alone. God has given you people to share your life and your ministry with. You will be surrounded by the love and encouragement of this chosen family. And so I have a question for all of you who are watching. Friends, loved ones, chosen family. Will you honor James? Pray for James. Celebrate with them as they are blessed. Be by their side when they experience grief. Uphold and support them as they seek to do the work of the Lord. And above all else, support James with your presence. If so, say, I will. Amen. James, now hear the word of the Lord from the scriptures. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. I have chosen and appointed you that you will go and bear fruit that will last. I am your good shepherd. I know you, and you know my voice. I have put my words in your mouth and my peace in your hands. Go and make disciples, remembering that I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. I'm going to put this down because I have something special for you. So in my tradition, when you get ordained, you get a Bible with your name on it. That's apparently a great gift. Um, but I figured you had like 20 Bibles at home already. <laughs> we do not do liturgical robes or vestments here. We do leggings and crochet cardigans. <laughs> but I know they do in your tradition. So I got you something that hopefully will honor you as a minister and honor your faith tradition as well. And... It is a handmade stole in rainbow, obviously. <laughs> and it was handmade by a group, a little group in an Episcopal church in Indiana. And the proceeds go to a little house they have where they provide rent-free housing for mom, single moms working on their education. And I thought it would be special. 
okay, I can't do this, y'all. <laughs> and I hope one day you'll have an office where you can display it. Also, in very Pentecostal fashion, I would like to anoint you. And I have this little bottle of anointing oil, and I actually got it in Israel like 15 years ago. Um, and I've kept it. I literally have thought about tossing it like 100 times. Because when was I ever going to be in a position to ordain someone? But I kept being like, it smells so good. <laughs> but I kept it. I suppose God knew. <clears throat> it is an honor to do this as a fellow pastor and a fellow person of faith, but most especially as your friend. We anoint your mind that it will be protected by the unbreakable truth of God's love. We anoint your heart that it will be kept tender and open by the unfathomable depths of God's goodness. And we anoint your hands that they will be guided by the peace of God's spirit as you forge a new path forward. In the name of God, our Father, Jesus, our brother, and the Holy Spirit, our mother, we ordain you, James Battaglia as a minister of the gospel of Christ. I'm already crying. Okay. Some churches, just so you know, some churches have what's called clergy in residence, which is like, ordained ministers that don't officially work for the church as a staff person, but they are available and they make meaningful contributions to the life of the church. I would love for James to work for a different church one day. I'm just putting that out in the universe and manifesting. Um, we don't have the budget for that right now, but someday I hope we will. But for now, James is actually going to be our first official clergy in residence, our community minister. I don't know how to end this. I'm all emotions. <laughs> oh, a picture. Yes. Will you do it later with no tears? <laughs> no. Um, I do have. This is very official. Y'all know about my official sign-up list. It's just a sheet of paper that I scribbled on. This is not. It's a real certificate that you can put anywhere you want. And if someone ever questions you, you'd be like, bam. <laughs> Look at my wall. <laughs> Go be a pastor. <laughs> oh, no, I rubbed my eyes. But one day I put makeup on. <laughs> Y'all can come back up here. Because um, you know how great I am at seamless transitions. That's the end. <laughs> it better be because I get mess. Um, so we have two more songs. So we have a special song. We have, we have one song that is special. And then we have a special song. Because it is Hispanic Heritage Month, and Joe will be leading that song, and it's going to be amazing. Um, so if you'd like to stand with us and sing for this first song. Oh, she brought me tissues. Thank you. Can I steal two? One for James. I can have the whole thing? The Lord has blessed me.